this morning we are at Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. It's one of my favorite scriptures, and it's something, one of those scriptures that we, um, we quote a lot. And, um, well, I was thinking of the title, So What Happens? <laughs> so What Happens? You know, whenever we think about life and we think about all the, I mean, we're placed in a lot of different situations. All of us are placed in a lot of different situations, whether it be at work or at school or family, neighborhood, wherever, driving to church and almost having an accident. <laughs> so, but we're all put in different situations. So what happens? Well, Philippians 1.6, um, and I'm reading out of the Message Bible. Did I, ta- did I happen to put that up? Is that the- oh, it is. How about that? He guessed. The message Bible is, There has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish. I like that. Flourishing finish on the very day of Christ Jesus appears. So, we know that, and we we, we spoke about some of this in our Sunday school lesson this morning, that Jesus Christ is going to come back. Okay? Okay. Uh, I know that individual in California predicted the end of the world again. Uh, (laughs) uh, He's bound to determine someday if he keeps predicting it, he's bound to determine to get it right, except it might be a while. But uh, Jesus is going to return. No man knows the time or the hour, so we we, we can read the signs of the time, but we don't have the day or the hour. We are in the last days, but... You know, we are in the last of times and things are coming to a close and they will close, but we're not sure when it'll happen. But until that day comes, realize this. God has started a great work in you. Okay? God has started a great work in you. Now, we would, the great work, <laughs> we would think, well, what, do we, what does he want me to do? Does he want me to be president? Does he want me to invent something? Does he want me to, well, the great work that we are about, you know, it's like your pinky finger. <laughs> uh, if you didn't have it, would you miss it? <laughs> if you didn't have your pointer finger, if you didn't have it, would you miss it? If you couldn't hear, <laughs> would you miss it? See, the, whenever we think about what we've got, we generally think of it in a context of ordinary. We think of our life as ordinary. We think of our ability to touch, to speak, to hear, to, to you know, smell, to travel, to motivate, to move, whatever. We think of these things as ordinary. But God is saying that he has, God has started a great work in you. God has a purpose, God has a plan, Jeremiah 29, 11. <laughs> For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. God has started a great work. So the great work is not in hindsight. The great work that God is doing is in our present and in our future. God has a purpose for you, not only a reason for you, but he has a work for you. He has, not only does he have a reason for you to be here, he has a work for you to be here. Now, as we look at our life, 
what do we see? We generally see, think of, because I own it, it's ordinary. <laughs> because it's mine, it's not that important. It's got a lot of flaws. Missing a few hair. <laughs> Picked up a few pounds. <laughs> you know, we look at our life and we see ordinary. But it, the scripture says that God has begun a great work. God has begun a great work. Everybody say great work. God has begun. Do the God, say God has begun. A great work in me. Say it again. God has begun. A great work in me. Now, do you believe that? <laughs> hey, well, you know, he said to say it, I said it, I repeated it. But it's ordinary, no matter what you say, no matter what you do, it's still ordinary. But the work of God in us is a good work, a great work, a blessed work. Blessed work. That there are blessings and benefits to all that we have. All things bring God to the surface of our life. Every situation brings God to the surface of our life. And we then are placed in a position of choosing how that God will, we will respond to this. One of the, one of the great chapters I always, I always go back to is when Paul, you know, because sometimes we get, we get caught up in, well, you know, I don't have this and I don't have that. And, you know, I have this problem and that problem. I always go back to Paul in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty two. Are there Hebrews? So am I. Are there Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. See, he's arguing with these. He's not arguing. He's presenting his case. Because in Corinth, there were a lot of people running around saying that they were super apostles and that what Paul was was just nothing. So Paul is saying, if you, if you want to believe that stuff, let me give you a few, give me, let me give you a few ideas and a few things that, that, uh, that are my credentials. Are there servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk like this. This is the message. By, I'm out of my mind to talk like this to bring up these, these crazy things that have happened in my life. But if you want them, I want you to hear them. That's what Paul is telling the Corinth, Corinthians. I have worked harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a day and a night floating in the open sea. I have been in constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, danger from bandits, danger from my own countrymen, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the country, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. You know, okay, now, how many have ever been under the impression that once you're a Christian, nothing bad will ever happen to you? <laughs> you see, it isn't what happens to us, it's what happens in us. And you see, we can, we can look at our life and sometimes things happen. Things happen in our life. Things that we're totally unprepared for, things that we just come out of the blue, we're doing our job, we're doing our life, we're doing things and just bad things fall. <laughs> Anybody ever happen? Okay, well, we have this little video about this guy who's, um, he's, a, he's an auctioneer, and it's in Italian, so it's kind of hard to follow, and it has the subcaps to it in English, but he's an auctioneer, and he's auctioning off this vase, and it's worth millions of dollars, okay? And so the process and the bidding and all that is going. So, 
<laughs> it's a bare aspirin commercial. One million. <laughs> Check your heart attack risk. <laughs> so do you have a heart attack? <laughs> the million dollar vase and uh, you just busted it. All right. See, things happen in our life. Sometimes they're totally unprepared for. You know, when we talk about Paul, you know, and all the things going on, you know, day and night, he didn't set out to, you know, I think, I'm, I think this ship is going to sink. I'm going to take it. <laughs> you know, I think that uh, they're going to beat me with cane. You know, caning? You know, that, that, that practice, they, they take these long canes and they beat people with them? Paul was caned, he said, how many times? Three times? Uh, beaten with, th with 39 stripes five different times? I mean, these are difficult situations. He didn't go into the towns and cities and think, well, you know, what can I do to get beat today? See, what happens in us is more important than what happens to us. Our position in Christ is one God has given to all believers. Remember last week we talked about Kings and queens <laughs> had, uh, had two crowns from Burger King. <laughs> and what would be the position of an individual if you were king and queen? What position would you have and how would you approach life from that position? Now, the challenge, remember, is how would we possess and how would we approach life from the position of being a Christian? What is our position? How is it that we are to see our life and how is it that we are to live our life? What is Paul saying to us? What did he tell us in the opening scripture? That there has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that God who started this great work in you would keep at it. God is at a great work in you. So from this position of a great work being accomplished in your life, God is at work in you. Well, what about all the difficulties? What about all the problems? What about this thing? What about that? Okay, what about it? As a Christian, from this position, God is giving us the direction. You know, from this position, we choose how we will live our life, how we will respond to our life. From this position, can you imagine that your life fits you? that your life fits you. Now, we like to think we'd I'd do better off as, you know, I'd like to be better off as Billy Graham. Not that old, but that good. Uh, <laughs> you know? Uh, you know, I think I could be better off, you know, if I was this or better. But you know what? Who do you imagine you would be better off as? I mean, who do you think you'd be better off as? Well, if I had more money, I'd be better off. <laughs> oh, I have, I have a little, oh, it's in, uh, it's in there, I didn't bring it out. But, uh, 
the idea is that we often have this, you know, I'd be better off if I won the lottery. I'd be better off if I had this job or lived in this community or if I had done this, if I had done that, or if I hadn't done this. Well, what if your life fits you for who you are right where you're at? And from this position that you are at right now, God is telling us, choose. Because God is create God, what does he have here? God who started this great work in you will keep at it. If our life fits us, and from this position, not from being the slave of society, and does, you know, Paul, he, talk, he writes to the slaves and he says, serve your masters well. Don't let your masters dictate who you are. From your position as a Christian, you are to serve God well. Your life fits. God has begun a great work in you, and he's going to keep at it. Hmm. So, your life fits you. Now we make something out of it. <laughs> That's hard. Because we often look at the circumstances, shipwrecked, beaten, breaking the vase, we look at circumstances to dictate our position. Our position has nothing to do with circumstances. Our position has everything to do with the Word of God and how that Word is in our hearts and in our minds to approach what happens in our life. <laughs> we, by nature, <laughs> are dead in our trespasses and sins. Just as in the beginning when God created Adam and Eve, he breathed into Adam the breath of life and Adam became a living soul, that Adam did not have the power to bring the breath of life into him. He was just a piece, you know, he was just some dirt put in a hump in the form of a man. God breathed into him and made him a breath of life. God breathed into us and we are, we have the breath of God in us and because of that breath in us we will live forever. The breath of life in us and when Christ forgives us of our sins we are in a position to live life that fits exactly who we are, living according to the principles of God's word, living by those principles to make the word of God alive in us and causing our life to take the direction of the Word of God, not the direction of the circumstances. You know, I was thinking with all this rain in El Salvador, I was thinking of this one pastor that we go and visit when we're there. He's the, the, the kind of like David, David likes, he's his mentor. <laughs> Calls him his mentor. And he has a second grade education and he pastors a church in rural communities. And his house, his house is like a pole barn. <laughs> it is open on three sides, and there is only one room that is enclosed. And that's the bedroom. And it's probably a 10 by 10 area. That's the only place in his house that is enclosed is a bedroom. He has one section of that polled area, has a wall there, and that's where they have their, their plates and stuff. <laughs> they don't have plates, their belongings. Just one wall. And all the rest of the place is open. And I thought of, wow, 
How would you, how would you survive in, a, in three weeks of rain living in a place like that where you could never dry out? You know, I mean, it was just, you know, and he's, he's not alone. I mean, a lot of the country is like that. And some of the people who do have houses, can you imagine your entire family and your extended family coming to your house and your house is a 12 by 12 square with a roof on and everybody staying inside? Well, just as a downpour? You know? And, and, this, per, and, and, and this guy, um, Miguel, he's, he's like, he's, he's a great man of faith. His church, his church is, a, they, have a, they built it recently, and um, it has a metal roof. And when we were there last, you could see where the sunlight was coming through the roof. <laughs> and I asked David, I said, what are all those holes in the roof? He says, oh, that's where people, while they were having church, they threw uh, dynamite on the, on the roof of the church. And blow, you know, we're blowing, trying to blow holes in the roof. And this Miguel is, is a great man of faith. He was um, some drunk, one drunk came into his, into his church one, one, one day and went up on the platform, pulled out his machete, and was going to cut his head off, right in church. And Miguel, who is a pacifist, got down on his hands and knees and said, if you must, you must, and God will take care of us. And it was like, and we look at our life and we say, my life doesn't fit. My life doesn't fit. It's because when our life doesn't fit, we don't believe that God is doing a good work in us. When our life doesn't fit, we don't believe that God is at work helping us and and working through us. Because we're not living in that position, that place where God has us to live. And that is that God has begun a great work in you, and it isn't the circumstances that determine who you are, whether you succeed or fail. It isn't about failure and it isn't about success. It's about what God is doing in our hearts and in our minds that we can see how God is working in us to bless us or to to cause us to grow and to develop because all of us have needs to grow. All of us have to grow and change from who we are because we're not perfect. I know that's a shock. I'm just teasing. You see, it's an act of God to bring us to life. It's an act of God. God has brought us to life, a spiritual life. You know, (laughs) working, I see a lot of people every week, you know, and uh, working with people and, and seeing them what is so disturbing, the most disturbing thing that I have to deal with in, you know, with deal, you know working with terminally ill patients, and you know, they all have a limited life expectancy. The most disturbing thing is those who have no faith, no relationship with God, and they are so stubborn they don't want to even think that there's entertained the thought that there is a God. 
and they're frightened to death. And then the most rewarding, very rewarding, is that people who want to know, can, can I go to heaven? What, what do I have to do if I die to get to heaven? What do I have to do? <laughs> and we talk about it and, and we, you know, what is it that you think you have to do? What does your faith tell you? What is your confession? What you remember of your faith? Was there ever a confession in it? What was that confession about? The confession was about Jesus Christ and forgiveness of sins. And when people find that meaning of that confession, when people find that place of, of relationship with Jesus Christ, everything changes. Their illness hasn't changed. Their life expectancy hasn't changed. But they have a whole new perspective of their life. They have a whole new perspective of life and of death of hope in this life and hope in the life to come. Nothing changed from their circumstances, but their position in their life changed because now they are a Christian. Now they know Jesus Christ. Now they have hope. I don't give that to them. Jesus Christ gives it to them. And that's the same thing that you and I live with whenever we take the word of God and apply it to our lives. Our situations don't, maybe, may never change, but we see it differently. We respond to it differently. Holy is the Lord. And we sing about it and it inspires us and tells us that we have hope in this life and in the life to come. It changes our perspective. Our life fits. Because God, who has started this great work in you, will keep at it. He will keep at it. And situations may not change, but my position in my life and how I see my life and how I see my circumstances changes. It changes because of the Word of God. You see, we are to choose wisely. <laughs> there is to be, and, and this is from a, a natural perspective, a, a, an emotional, relational perspective, we have self-knowledge. You have to know who you are. How is your life going to fit if you don't know who you are? Second, self-mindfulness. Understanding our motives. What do we do what we do and why? Is it just for our own gain? Or is it for the helping others? Self-vigilance. Knowing what makes you tick and what ticks you off. <laughs> Self-consciousness. Knowing how you come across to others. Self-alertness, maintaining your emotions, physical and spiritual condition. Knowing, maintaining your emotional, physical and spiritual condition. Self-alertness. You see, because God is in our life doesn't mean I'm absent. <laughs> you know? I'm not absent, I'm here. <laughs> and because I am a Christian and wanting to serve, it means I serve with a purpose. We spoke about that, I think, last week, week before. We don't have an empty container. We have a purpose for who we are. There is a reason for us being here. There is something that we do in our life, with our life, that is of value to God and to others. And so we have a purpose. So in this place, in this position of life, we are, God is at work, doing a work in us, through us, and changing us. 
Paul says, There has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish. A flourishing finish. See, that's where we pray and we ask God for wisdom, which is an understanding of how wisdom is a general oversight of how things apply and how things are put together, and an understanding, which is the application. We have a godly character in action, and then it goes on in Philippians 1.9. So this is my prayer. We know that God has begun a work in you. Now I pray that your love will flourish, that you will not only love much, um, love much, but, but well, can't read. What's it say? Can't read my writing. So this is my prayer, that your love will flourish and that you will not only love much, but well. Learn to love appropriately. You need to use your head and test your feelings. Learn to love appropriately. Learn to love appropriately. You see, our, our society, we don't, we, we use the one, we use word love for what? Lust? You know, MTV? I don't even know what, that's even the big thing anymore. But you know, that that lustful thing, that's not love. Or if you love somebody, you know, in, in, in relationships such as friendships, when people try to peer pressure, if you want to be accepted, you want to be loved, you've got to do certain things in order to fit in, that's not love. The, the scripture tells us that we are to learn to love appropriately. And the appropriate love is receiving the love of God in this position. This position of your life fits, God has begun a good work in you, and he wants to bring it to a conclusion, a flourishing finish, when Jesus Christ returns. So in this place, I have to know myself, know who I am, know what I do, why I do it, and know that I am to love appropriately. Appropriately. Hmm. Loving appropriately is the love that Jesus Christ has for us. He would never ask us to do anything that would cause you to be, to, for your character and who you are and your relationship with him to be destroyed. He would never tempt us. He would never tempt us to do something that would be sinful, which is a separation from God, which is He would never ask us to break our relationship with him, to go against his word. Love appropriately. Love that is attached to Christ, that you may be able to discern what is best. Verse 9, that you may be able to discern what is best. See, in this love relationship, you will know, see, this is the wisdom and this is the understanding of the Word of God in your life that it will help us to, to discern what is best. God is with us, and in this position of life, God is giving me a wisdom and an understanding to be able to discern, to know what is best for my life. Why? Because my life fits. God has a purpose and a plan for our life. And all of the events that happen in our life are not what we base it on. It's upon God's word. 
discern what is best. Verse 27. Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. Whatever happens, be prepared to conduct yourself in a manner that is worthy of your position. King and queen, their position, how should they act as a king and queen of a country? How is it that we should live as a child of God in the world that we live in, in a life that fits who we are, living with the wisdom and understanding, character, purpose, verse 16. Paul says, There has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep, keep at it, verse 6, excuse me, and bring it to a flourishing finish on the very day that Christ appears. God is at work. Learn to love, learn to live, learn to speak appropriately. So, so where do we go? Verse, chapter 3, verse 1. And that's about it, friend. Be glad in God. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. So in this position of life, God has asked us to be happy. Not happy, to rejoice. Happy depends on happenings, all the things fitting into place. We already talked about those things. You can smash the vase, <laughs> and that, that sometimes we've done those things. What do you do with it? Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind, I press on. There are things in our life we need to let go of. They don't fit who we are. We don't, they don't fit who we are in Christ. Those things need to be forgiven, forgotten, and let go. That's a good sequence, huh? Forgiven, forgotten, and let go. Do we ever forget? No. We need to just let them go. <laughs> forget them, don't bring them up. God doesn't bring it up, so don't you. In your position... You have a place in God. You have a place in this life that God is at work doing a great work in you. We need to see God at work in us, through us. Make decisions wisely. Love correctly. Rejoice in God. And know that God is taking us through to a flourishing finish when Jesus Christ returns. So be at peace with yourself and with God. Forgiven. Forgive yourself. Forgive others. Let it go. Move on with your life. Why? Because your future's in front of us. Your future's in front of you. There has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish. What's the King James Version of that? Anybody remember? What's that? Do you know what it is? For, yeah, he who has begun a good work in you will complete it before the day of Jesus Christ. God is at work. What position are you in? You are in a position of being a Christian, a child of God. He has breathed into you the breath of life. You couldn't raise yourself to this place. God has given it to you. 
And from this place, this position, God is at work. You will live forever. Don't allow the things of life, shipwrecked, <laughs> beatings, distress, all the, don't allow those to interfere with who you are. God gives us a way of seeing through them, beyond them. God is at work. He's doing a great work in you. God is doing a great work in me. Say it. God is doing a great work in me. And what position do we have? Let's all stand. <laughs> Should I make all of you come and stand on a platform right here? <laughs> Change your position? <laughs> because in Christ, he changes our position. It's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. Do we see how all this comes together? Do we see how the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that he is Lord? I've already done that. There is power in the name of Jesus. So from this position, I pray. From this position, I believe. From this position, I see God at work in my life. I don't understand why circumstances have come, but God is at work. I don't understand why I'm shipwrecked a day and a night floating in the deep. Do you think Paul ever questioned that? He's floating a day and a night in the deep, hanging on for dear life. Do you think he's out there wondering, what is God doing now? I'm sure he did. So we can wonder, but he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Be happy in God. What's it say? I like the message. And that's about it, friends. Thank <laughs> you.